Good morning once again, and happy Lent. I don't know if you're supposed to say that or not, um, but it is good to be together on the Lord's Day, to be gathered in worship for just an hour to, um, to hear, hear these songs sung, to hear the scripture read, to be in fellowship together, and maybe to hear God's word for us. Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Listen for God's word to you today. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given, to, given over to me, and I give it to whomever I please. If you then worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today is the first Sunday in the season of Lent, and uh, we see Jesus in the wilderness for these 40 days in this most classic text for Lent. In fact, our own 40-day journey towards Easter here in the season of Lent is based on this period in Jesus' life, this 40-day period. It's a time when he is out there in the wilderness giving up the normal comforts of life as he fasts and prays, as he's tested, as he prepares for the next section of his life. And many of you know already that the number 40 is very important in the Bible, right? It comes up a lot. It represents a long period of testing, of trial, of temptation, of trouble. Think about it. Noah's Ark, in Noah's Ark, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, right? When Moses killed that Egyptian and he ran off into the wilderness, he lived out there for 40 years. After the Exodus, when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, how many years were they there? 40 years. Moses went up on the mountain to talk to God two separate times. And you know how many days and nights he stayed on the mountain? Forty. Moses sent spies into the promised land, and they scouted it out to see if it was good. How many days were they there? Forty days. When Jonah preached to Nineveh, that great city, he tells them, 40 days more, and Nineveh will be destroyed. Before David fought Goliath, Goliath the giant came out and taunted the Israelite army every day. For 40 days. When Elijah was on the run from Queen Jezebel, that wicked queen, he, went, he traveled into the wilderness running from her, and he ran for 40 days and 40 nights. We could go on and on. The number 40 comes up a lot. What's the point? It's not some kind of magic number, but it's clearly important. 
It signifies a long period of time when God is doing something significant. The number 40 in the Bible, a period of 40 days or 40 years, is a long period of time. A significant action of God is underway. It's a season, and we believe that God can use seasons in our lives. When I was a freshman in college, some of you know that I went to a small liberal arts college back in Pennsylvania my freshman year. And as soon as I got there, pretty much as soon as I moved all my stuff into the dorm, I'd taken it all, all the way across the country, I got settled in, I started my classes, I was meeting people, I realized I had made a big mistake. I had made a big mistake. I had chosen the wrong college. I mean, it's like, it's like orientation week. And I said, ah, I got to get out of here. So I called my mom, and I said, Mom, you got to get me out of here. You got to spring me. I made the wrong choice. And she contacted the school to kind of get some support. You know, we need to help our, our young adults uh, get some support in school. And, um, and she talked to his administrator who said, oh, yeah, these social justice kids have a hard time fitting in sometimes. <laughs> and she was appalled. She said, my son's not a social justice kid. He's a normal kid. Um, and I don't know the answer to that. Um, <laughs> but I guess if I had listened to that dean... Well, maybe I would have hunkered down, found my niche, been a social justice kid in this sort of place I didn't quite fit in. Um, but instead, I listened to my mom. My mom said, no, you've got to wait it out a year. You can do anything for a year. You've got to get good grades, study hard. And when you get those good grades, you'll be able to transfer anywhere you want to go, and you'll be able to take the next step. And so that's what I did. I listened to my mom's trusted voice, and here I am. Uh, it worked out. <laughs> In the wilderness, Jesus is tempted by the devil, which is another way of saying that the question was, whose voice was he going to listen to? Would he listen to God's voice? Would he listen to God's calling, God's direction, God's way for him? Or would he listen to some other voice? And that's a question for us today as well. There's a Lutheran pastor who some of you may have heard of. Her name is Nadia Boltz Weber. She's well known partially because of her style. She has tattoos. She shows off her biceps. She always keeps it real in her sermons and books. She once said this about the story about Jesus' temptation and how it relates to our identity. She says, it's always God's first move. Before we do anything wrong or before we do anything right, God has named us and claimed us as God's own. But almost immediately, other things try to tell us who we are and to whom we belong. Capitalism, the weight loss industrial complex, our parents, kids at school, they all have a go at telling us who we are, but only God can do that. Everything else is temptation. Only God can tell us who we are. Everything else is temptation. And the question is, whose voice will you listen to? That's the question that Jesus faced, too. Look at the story. He's out there by himself for 40 days, which is this significant season where God is preparing him for his life to come. But in that time where Jesus was fasting from food and spending time trying to hear God's direction and voice for his life, another voice comes in, and it is the voice of the devil, like the fruits of the devil. And he says, hey, Jesus, bet you're kind of hungry right now. Instead of trusting God to take care of you, why not just do it yourself? You have the power to turn stones into bread. 
Why not use your gifts, your abilities, your skills to do whatever you want, to get whatever you need? To quote from Fleetwood Mac, you can go your own way. And that's always a temptation that we will face as well. We will, listen, will we listen to God's voice and way for our lives, or will we take matters into our own hands, which is something we are adept at? You all here today are just like me. You're probably pretty good at taking matters into your own hands and getting things done. I know you. So, in this season of Lent, this is, the part, this is the participation part, in this season of Lent, will you listen to God's voice about who you really are and what you really need? And if so, say, we will with God's help. There's two more of these coming, so get ready. In the second temptation of Jesus, the devil tells him about glory and power and authority. He says, all of this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. And it's a funny kind of temptation, because I don't know about you, but like worshiping the devil was never really a big temptation to me. Um, maybe the same for you, and definitely for Jesus. He's not really probably into that. It doesn't seem very appealing. Jesus says to him, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. But that's where the trouble comes in. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. But that's where we get into trouble because while it is very unlikely that we're going to worship the devil, I wonder if we might sometimes fall into other kinds of worship. Have you ever worshiped at the feet of a shopping mall? You know, with the, letting the purchasing power just pulse through your veins? Have you ever worshiped at the temple of your career, giving your first fruits to your company or your boss or the bottom line? Have you ever worshiped at the font of self-improvement? with that sense that if I just get my diet and exercise right, I'll be unstoppable. If I have the right morning routine and my calendaring correct, I will truly be a master of the universe. <laughs> have you ever drunk deeply from the chalice of being right? You know that one? Where you, have, you know more than others, you have the right experiences, you hold the correct political stance, you have all the answers to every question. There's a song about it. It goes like this. Now thank we all our God that I have all the answers. In every cloud and fog, I will speak and never listen. Am I speaking to you? <laughs> to worship God in spirit and in truth is about humility and trust. Not in ourselves, not in the systems of power in our world, not even in the finer things that we might enjoy sometimes. In the season of Lent, will you listen to God's voice and worship the Lord rather than worshiping lesser things that are calling out for your attention and praise? If so, say, we will with God's help. We will with God's help. Then comes the third temptation of Christ which is kind of a challenge, actually. The devil says, if you are the Son of God, if you're such a person of faith, jump off the top of this temple and trust that the angels will catch you. If you're this big-time faith bro, try it out. Now the devil's playing dirty. He even quotes from the Psalms, the very psalm that Stephen read earlier. Thanks for that. Um, he says, the devil will protect you. If you fall, your foot will not even touch a stone. I read a book recently, it was a spiritual biography of Philip Yancey, who was a famous Christian writer who always writes with a focus on uh, God's grace for our lives. 
And he tells the story of his father, who was a Christian minister back in the 1950s, and he contracted polio. And his father was put on the iron lung and had these treatments to try and help him get better. And in the book, he describes how his father believed that in faith he would be healed. And so against doctor's orders, he took himself off the iron lung. He was discharged from the hospital, and he went home, believing he was doing the right thing, and he was dead two weeks later. It was as if he went to the top of the temple spire in Jerusalem and jumped. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus says, it is written, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And I think about it this way. What if Philip Yancey's father had lived, right? What if he had beaten polio against what everybody had said? I'm sure he would have given God some of the glory. But I wonder if he would have gotten some glory for himself too. Oh, there's the guy who beat polio. Oh, there's that preacher who has the best and the most amazing story. There's the person who has the most faith of them all. In the end, the devil's temptation is, is, isn't to trust God and trust God's angels and God's mercy. It's really about a temptation to say, trust yourself. Get glory for yourself. Get notoriety for yourself. Magnify yourself. But the Christian faith is just the opposite. Because we worship a God who sent his son Jesus into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. And how does he accomplish this? Jesus humbles himself and takes the form of a servant. He offers himself as bread that is broken and wine that is poured out. He comes and lives among people with real and everyday needs, like you and me. I want to show you a painting today. This is a work of art by uh, Vincent Van Gogh, and it's the one that's featured this week in our daily devotional that we're, or our weekly devotional we're doing together. This line, it's called The Potato Eaters. And I had Carlo lighten it up a little so you could see it. It's a really dark um, painting. It's this scene of a rural peasant family who are eating their dinner. And the painting has these dark and dim tones. It's based on real visits that Van Gogh made to uh, families in, his, in the Netherlands. And he painted it this way to show, uh, he said, to show that his artistic skill was progressing. He wanted to show what he could do in painting this family. He felt that it was a kind of artwork that mattered and that would help him become a world-class artist. But this painting, The Potato Eaters, it got a really negative reception when it came out. Uh, the art world was kind of appalled. They, they didn't like it. They said, oh, this is, this is no good. This is not... not not up to your standards. Van Gogh insisted throughout his life that this was the best painting he ever did. He called it his masterpiece. But it was never recognized that way until after his death. Then it was reconsidered. And people looked at it again. Today it is valued at over $90 million and it is seen as one of his most iconic works. Van Gogh loved this painting because it depicted this family just as they are, hardworking, close family ties, people for whom life isn't easy, but he wanted the viewer to care about them, to see them, to love them. Jesus is like that with us. 
He comes into this world of hurt and takes it on. He does not operate only up in the realms of glory. He stoops down. He walks. He touches. He weeps. He prays with and for. He teaches. He shares meals. Maybe even like that one. In this season of Lent, will you listen? In this season of Lent, will you listen to God's voice and not seek your own glory, but be led to love and serve the ones you meet along the way? If so, say we will with God's help. So remember this, God uses seasons, like those 40-day time periods in the Bible, and maybe like this Lenten season ahead. God can use this season in your life. So may we listen to God's voice in the wilderness. May, we, may you not rely on your own way, not worship lesser things, not seek glory or praise. Listen in these 40 days. Listen, because God is speaking to you. Amen.